Hi friends, welcome. Today I want to talk about the work of Steve McCurry, who is in fact my favorite photographer, which is why uh, this is like my third or fourth video about him on this channel. I want to talk about a specific subsection of his work today, but if you don't know who he is, he is an iconic photographer. He has been a part of many an expedition. He has been on the cover of many magazines and many books. And if you don't know him by now, you'll probably know him when I say that he was the photographer who took the photo called The Afghan Girl, which was on the cover of National Geographic. Now, the part of his work that I want to focus on today is specifically around this concept that you see as a thematic thread running through his photography of daily life in different cultures. And so I've curated some photos around that idea. So I will put links below to his things. Of course, I would encourage you to check him out. Okay. The first photo of his I want to take a look at today is of a shepherd near Mexico City. We have a shepherd on a horse, his flock of sheep with him. We have behind him a giant aqueduct running through the background, one of those ancient contraptions that carries water from one place to another. Pretty amazing stuff. We have the sun coming through one of the arches of the aqueduct, lighting the horseman and the sheep from behind, creating a silhouette. His flock of sheep have just finished crossing a railroad track, which provides some tension to the photo. Really beautiful composition. It's an exquisite composition. And so we have an interplay between this exquisite composition and the rawness of life of a shepherd. I think the idea of the shepherd and the sheep is really incredible. It's an analogy used in the Bible a lot. I think the Bible's quite rad. Uh, so I know a lot about these analogies, and it's interesting to see this done in real life today and that it is still something that exists. And I would love to hang out with a shepherd and get to know one and see how these analogies are made real, how they still exist, how you still have to protect the flock, right? You have to keep the flock from getting hit by trains. But we have a, a thoughtfully romanticized frame here. And this is a thread that runs through his work. And I, I wanted to use this photo as an example, as a beginning, to talk about that thread more. In the next one, we have some monks in Nova Scotia playing uh, baseball, I believe. Could be cricket, but probably baseball. We have a man with a bat hitting a ball. Looks like it was a poor hit. We have a plate made out of cardboard on the ground. Provides a lot of character to this scene. We have a man sitting down with his pitcher or catcher's mitt, and he's about to catch the ball, but he's not going to catch it because it's not going to come to him because it looks like the ball's going to go flying and hit the photographer. We have the umpire behind the catcher. We have um, other players scattered about in the distance, or a player and then some other people hanging out. So we have a lot of context elements in this photo that builds the scene for us. We have a barn or a house on the right. We have the ocean on the left. We have the landscape elements of Nova Scotia to put us where we are in this scene. We also have relational connection points here. We are able to look at the expressions of the people, see how much fun they're having, see a familiar game if you live in the West, and connect with these people who are wearing these funny red robes. In the next one, taken in Myanmar, we have what looks like an endless number of women wearing pink in a factory, doing some sort of sewing job. They're all looking down with their work, very focused and intent. And we have a single woman who 
is broken away from the pattern of all the other ones because of her expression. She's pointing more towards us. She's looking up more. She's looking off camera, but she separated herself from the rest. And this was probably an intentional decision by Steve, something he paid attention to. But we have glorious edges all around in this very complex scene. Nothing's poking in in a weird way, once again. We have a poeticized feel here. It's an environment that's quite raw. It's full of work and duty and everyday life. These women come here every day and do this over and over. But Steve has taken this photo in a way that makes this scene have a poeticized feel that draws us into what's happening here, makes us interested, makes us think about what this is, what this means, how we feel about this. And this, this single woman, we have a, a single separated person from the bunch. And because of the look on her face, very natural, very uncontrived, you can study her face. Uh, she is a force in this photo. She gives it power. We have another one taken in Pakistan. We have weapons makers standing around uh, what looks like 50 caliber machine guns. And this is another example of him taking photos of what is normal life in many places and bringing it to us in a way that feels very elegantly uh, composed, right? Everybody's standing around in a way that feels like a painting. We have the boy with his hand just resting on the barrel of the gun, two men in the background separated from the boy, and then another man in the far background. Uh, they're all working. But his separation of people is something that is really unbelievable in his work. This is hard to do. It's very hard to get people to cooperate, <laughs> in an, especially when they're just going about their, their thing. You're not, you're not posing them. You're waiting for them to fall into the proper alignment. You're waiting for serendipity to occur. But 50 caliber machine guns are normal life in some places, and I think that's an important story to tell. And I love the way he did it here. And another thing this photo speaks to is his bravery and passion for telling stories. Steve is willing to go into places that are can be rather dangerous. And you're not going to be able to tell these stories unless you have the bravery and passion that he does to go into these type of places. So don't get frustrated if you want to tell more compelling stories if you're not choosing to be more brave. And this may not mean you have to go to Afghanistan this may just mean you have to move across the country to the West if you're a landscape photographer, for example. This applies in many different ways. In the next one, we have a fisherman in Myanmar. He is standing in a green, swampy-looking area, casting out his net. The net is in an elegant full bloom as it makes its way to the water. But in the background, we have an interesting contrasting element here. We have these enormous spherical tanks, some sort of factory operation. So this asks you some questions. It's a stark psychological contrast. Now when it asks you these questions though, it doesn't shove you with an agenda. It gently nudges you. It says, what do you think about this? And while I believe Steve would not consider himself a photojournalist, this is good photojournalism. I also love, in terms of the, the compositional quality of this photo, I also love the way he shot and cropped this, where he sort of cut off the top of the tanks a little bit. It's a, it's a rather tight, rather 
uh, lean framing. And this provides an energetic quality to the photo that I really enjoy. This next one I really love. I have a lot to say about it. It was taken in Havana, Cuba. We have a man standing in his room, very near his bed. Now, I want to note the nearness to his bed. He's standing by his bed almost like it's a friend. Like it's an old friend that he's spent years with. Just a little touch, which I think is really wonderful. But this scene is overflowing with character. His room has this crazy red texture, worn texture on the walls. The carpets look quite worn. Everything looks very worn in this photo. You get the feeling that he's spent and he spends his days here. He's looking off in an interesting way from the camera. So he's not, it's not a portrait of this man in the sense that he's, you know, staring into the camera. Steve told him to stand there and look. He told him to stand there and look off or he just told him to stand there and he did look off. Either way, it doesn't feel like a contrived pose. The man looks deep in thought because of this. There's a lot of things we can pull from his expression. He's in the the center of the frame, and putting a subject in the center of the frame helps you make no mistake that they're the subject of the photo. And you often get this feeling, and you, you definitely get it here, and you get it with a lot of different photographers, that the scene is built around the subject. And that's a really nice, pleasing effect. Uh, we have, uh, on sitting on his desk, we have uh, Che Guevara, I believe it is, like a little poster. So that makes you go, okay, what, is, what, are the, what are the beliefs of this man? What does he think? What do I think about his beliefs? Once again, asking you questions, but not violently shoving you and punching you in the face with an agenda. But overall, this photo gives you the feeling that you were in his world for a moment. We have another one of a man repairing a bus in Myanmar. And we have these three buses lined up side by side in a pattern. We're looking onto them from a diagonal angle. Nice blue colors, red plates. They match each other. So, patternicity. But the man is laying underneath the bus as he's repairing it with bare feet, which provides a lot of character to this photo. I really enjoy it. Uh, We have a beauty in the mundane feel. He's just going about his day. He just had to fix the bus that day. But here comes here comes old Steve making this into beautiful artistic poetry. Once again, we have the subject in the center. Looks like the frame is built around him. In the next one, we have a man reading a newspaper in a retirement home in Myanmar. We have a 50-millimeter-esque, slightly pointing down on the subject kind of feel here. And this is a technique that Steve uses a lot, and a lot of photographers use a lot. And it's so timeless. It's such a wonderful way to take a photo, but it is very hard to master. We also have the man holding the newspaper, and the newspaper is covering part of his face, but on the back of the newspaper is another face with a serendipitously similar skin tone to the man holding the newspaper. So we have this this wonderful effect. One thing that is important about faces is that faces are important. (laughs) We engage with faces on such a deep level, what the eyes are doing, what the mouth is doing, where they're looking, right? You're walking down the street and somebody's looking up at a building. You're going to look up at that building because you're wondering what's going on. Somebody's gazing at you a certain way. You know that that's very important. There's 
a wiring in us for faces. And so this is why it's such a powerful force in images. And Steve utilized the face in an interesting way here to, to create an immersive photo. This technique, though, of having a face cut off by another face on a newspaper or poster or something of this sort is a technique used by specifically street photographers a lot. And I think one of the things that makes it become so interesting in this photo in particular is it's more than just a fun technique. There's a story behind it. Steve's work is rich with meaning and emotional depth. So when he uses this technique, it's only to serve the greater purpose, where, as with a lot of photos, you get the feeling that they saw it happen and it just felt fun, and I'm sure they ascribe some meaning to it, but that doesn't necessarily mean the photo has conveyed the same type of meaning. So without a story, this technique is, is just fun. It's just enjoyable to look at. That's an important distinction, I think. Also, in terms of the elegant... Uh, little things of this photo, the set, the placement of the man's hand on the newspaper is something that I think is quite wonderful as well. In the next one, we have a person sewing at a high fashion tailor shop in the center of Porto Novo Benin. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. We have a slight smile on the person's face. And I love when a photographer can capture this, this contrast between happiness or contentness and hard work. We have an expression of the hands that is interesting to me because you see that the person is pushing the article of clothing through as they sew it. We have a layering here that is something that I see in Steve's work a lot, and it's a unique take on layering. Oftentimes, he will use doorways. So in this case, we have the brighter foreground with the person sewing, and in the darker background through a doorway, we have some other people doing various other things. So we have this nice separation. We have the light difference, which is important. And we have, we have more intrigue introduced into the photo. We have more of a story being told, more context. This reminds me of a painting, The Death of Socrates. A similar type of layering occurs. I was looking over it and I thought of that. Both this photo and that painting are very good. <laughs> This next photo was taken in India, and I've mentioned it before in a previous video about Steve McCurry. I wanted to reintroduce it within the context of what we're talking about today. I love this photo. We have a man roughly in the center of the frame. He is in a warm pocket of light. He is the brightest point in the frame, so your eye starts there. And then it wanders throughout the frame to the other pockets, which are made up of cooler light. This photo is roughly three layers made up of people. The people sort of create the separations. We have a man on the right-hand side climbing his way up some steps. And then on the left-hand side, we have the ocean and a group of three people. There's a boy sitting on a ledge looking out thoughtfully. This is an example of the ridiculous serendipity that Steve is able to capture. It demonstrates his talent and probably his patience as well. We have someone in a boat in mid-stroke, looks quite nice, and then somebody sitting down low. So this photo is, he, he captured the expressions masterfully here. They're glorious. But also the way that he, when he was there, 
the way that he saw this and turned this into a photo is something that I think a lot of photographers would not necessarily be able to do. They might see one part of this scene. They might see just the man, flip it portrait, and you know get the shot of him because he's sitting there and that's the only element that was intact for the photo at that moment. But in this case, perhaps, he waited, I don't know, 20 minutes, I'm just guessing, 20 minutes for everything to align perfectly. You can never take a worse photo by being more patient. The next one, we have a monk at a monastery in India. And the building behind him, which I assume is part of the monastery, is yellow, this beautiful yellow color. We have a monk walking in the foreground on the right third. On the left third, we have an interesting extrusion, a rounded extrusion from the building, which is an element of interest. So we have a minimalistic feeling photo here. And we have patterns happening here. This reminds me of my most recent video about uh, the photographer known as Yosigo on Instagram. And I mentioned that his photos were very dreamlike and polished. Now in this case, we have something a little bit different. Steve's photos feel more raw. But there is a romanticized quality, like I've been mentioning. There is a poetic aesthetic here. Ooh, <laughs> wow. It's like a it's like some it's like a black preacher. <laughs> Let me take a sip of water. I think one of the things that makes this photo feel less dreamlike is the injection of a human element, the person, into the frame. So he gently draws our interest into this person's daily life by the way that he constructed this photo. Very good. We have a boy selling bread in Afghanistan next. There's these rounded pieces of bread on the left-hand side, red uh, cloth behind the bread, and then some wonderful bluish tones, bluish-greenish tones all around. So a nice color palette going on here. We have a boy in a window on the right-hand side. He has his thumb rested on, or his head kind of rested on his hand, which is kind of draped over the window, and his thumb is just touching his bottom lip. And Steve has these little elegant expressions scattered throughout his work as well. Definitely a mark of his style. And this photo feels more constructed than many of his others. Many of his are very raw, as if he just was there at the right time. And perhaps this one was similar in the way that it happened. You Sometimes you have a hard time knowing, but it feels a bit more constructed. And he does this sometimes, and the the Afghan girl is a good example of this, where it's that's just a, a portrait. He actually went up to this girl and said, I want to take a photo of you. Can you go to this position, look into the camera, you know, probably do whatever feels natural for you, and then we got that absurdly glorious <laughs> natural look that made the photo so iconic and those those big eyes. Um, an example of another type of romanticization to tell a story of a person in a scene is my friend Will Crooks, which I've had on here many times. I mentioned his photos many times. He often speaks about, he, he's a 
street style photographer. So he goes out into the streets of wherever he lives, which happens to be Greenville, South Carolina. He's been there for as long as I've known him. And he takes these wonderfully polished portraits of random people he finds on the street wearing interesting things with interesting looks. And he often speaks about how it's his goal to romanticize them in order to tell the story in a certain way. And this is one way to tell the story of a a place and a people. There are many different ways. In the next one, we have a vendor selling fruit and vegetables in front of a discarded movie poster in Cambodia. So we have this enormous movie poster filling up the frame, these gigantic eyes looking straight at the camera on the movie poster. He's used this movie poster to once again poeticize this scene to draw us into an analyzation of a normal occurrence for the people who are selling their things here. So we have three living living beings in this scene. And all of them are moving. He's introduced some motion blur into this, which creates some energy. Now, slight movements. They're not running around. They're all sitting there. But it's a little touch, which I think is quite wonderful. One of the things that you can achieve from actually leaving your house and going to unique, or actually leaving your house, most photographers will leave their house, uh, so I'm going to be more specific, actually leaving your comfort zone and going to new places and unique places around the world is you come across scenes like this. You come across photos that you never would have come across in the town you're staying in now, for example. In the next one, we have a family outside of their home in Paraguay. This one feels rather constructed in a fantastic way. It is a proper environmental portrait. All of the humans in this frame, I say humans because they're dogs. That one in the front's a little bit cute. Just a little bit, though. The humans are staring at the uh, camera. It's a portrait. We have the house and further environmental elements all around, giving us a lot of context. But the people in the frame are in lovely positions. I am quite envious of Steve's ability, and a lot of photographers' abilities, to pose people in these ways that feel very natural. I, my brain has a hard time thinking that way. We have the man with his hand gently resting on one of the posts of the roof of the house. We have the three women standing in the doorway, One is standing up, and there's a sort of a stair-stepping motion from the back woman to the front woman. The one in front of her is crouched down. The one in front of her also crouched down. So, nice separation. Everybody has their place. And uh, I like how all of the people play against each other here. The relationship between all of them. You also have three dogs. So, a group of three, once again. We enjoy those. Our minds like those. Uh, three dogs walking by. It is unbelievably difficult to get a single dog to do something intriguing in a photo. I have one. He got three dogs to be in a, a wonderful position with nice separation. Another one over on the other side laying down. It's oh, it's glorious. I absolutely love it. So a very thoughtful posing, very thoughtful overall composition. This photo demonstrates great talent. We have another one taken in Yemen, a desert scene. We have desert huts around, 
interesting walls that don't feel like they would be up to any sort of American building code. <laughs> we have three men laying down, relaxing on some cots in the front yard area. We have a camel feeding on some grass on the ground. We have a boy in mid-stride running by. Uh, his ability to get five living beings to cooperate in a photo. Once again, a man of great talent. In the next one, we have a family at home in Honduras. This one looks like it could have been posed to some degree, but it also feels quite organic, like it could have actually happened in the world. But perhaps he had a bit of a hand in organizing the pieces to just their right place. I am steadily amazed with his ability to demonstrate a feeling of people's relationships with one another and their relationships with their environment. We have the mom, I assume, and the, the background. Once again, we have a doorway creating a layer, an extra dimension to the photo. It's a darker area. In the foreground, we have the brighter area with the closer up, more prominent subjects. I'll get to them in, in just a moment. We have the mom doing something, perhaps cooking, going about whatever you know, it looks like a normal daily activity. And in the foreground, the brighter area. Also, we have a light up at the top, which is which is just a nice little touch, like a light bulb, just a point of light. But in the foreground, we have, I assume, the father sitting down with his little girl right next to him. She's very close to him. He has his hand gently rested on her head. She's looking up at him. He's holding a, a coffee cup in his, what is that? I had to do the math, left hand. And then there's a boy on the other side of the doorway on a, a bench. So we have a pattern of two benches here, repetition. The boy is sitting down, his foot propped up on the bench, and he's holding, I suppose, an iPad, focused in on that iPad. So his relationship with the iPad. Oh, I love this one. It's really good. In the next one, we have a boy with his donkeys in Yemen. On the left-hand side of the frame, we have the boy hugging the donkey's head. We have another donkey, and then we have another person separated from that donkey. So there's just a little bit of room between the top of the donkey and the person's feet, carrying something on their head. Looks like they're making their way towards this beautiful castle city in the background. This is a rather bizarre landscape to many of us in the world, anybody who doesn't live in precisely this environment. And what you need when you have this type of landscape is a relatable element in a scene. And in this case, the relatable element is the warm expression on the boy's face of love for, for his donkey. This photo feels very organic, but very organized. The next one, we have another example of unfamiliar people doing familiar things. We have a man sitting down in a tent, uh, some, some sort of housing arrangement made up of, of tarps and the support looks like it's a tree and then like there's a stick over here holding up the other side. This is his shelter. And this is a man who's wearing something that you wouldn't normally see somebody walking down the streets of New York City wearing. He's sitting down reading a book. It's a connection point. We like to read books, right? Uh, we, we enjoy the occasional sit down, cross your legs, and go deep in thought into some sort of uh, 
journey or I don't know, maybe he's reading a cookbook or a textbook. I don't know. But um, once again, a connection point. And the next one, we have a shepherd feeding his goats in Pakistan. And there are a lot of good things going on in this photo. His hand is holding a couple of green, it's like, you know, wheat stalks or something of that sort. I'm not a cropologist. He's holding these, these green objects and feeding a bundle of goats down low. In his other hand, he's carrying a whole bunch of this stuff. And then we have a warm expression. He's looking straight at the camera. It actually does look like he may be looking slightly off camera, though. So connecting with Steve or another person next to Steve. So we have a human connection between two people. This friendly look makes him come off as a friendly person. So we connect with him on a deep level. This can generate empathy. An expression can generate empathy. And this is important. We need more empathy in the world for people who are not like us. We need something that looks familiar. We need a look from somebody that says, I could sit down and have bread with this guy and have a conversation with this guy. Conversations are a big deal. Empathy is also incredibly important when somebody is in a, a bad position, so a war photo, this sort of thing. In this case, this looks like a perfectly happy shepherd man with an authentic and kind expression. The next one, we have a vertical photo of a barbershop in Myanmar. This is a polished composition. We have a group of three barbers and they're the people who are getting barbarized they are matching each other almost perfectly. Everybody's in sort of the same position. So this photo becomes romanticized by patterns. This photo engages you from the repetition. In the next one, we have two, I believe you pronounce it, Padung women in a market in Myanmar. So they are part of that tribe where uh, one of, maybe a couple, I'm, I'm not sure if there's only one or multiple tribes where you extend your neck with those rings. So we have people who to us look quite different on the, on the cover, right? But this is contrasted against a kind expression between the two that we have here. We have the woman on the right leaning into the woman on the left, putting her face on the other woman's face. A very loving connection. So we have unfamiliar people doing familiar, kind, warm things. In the next one, we have a scene that is rather different visually than a lot of Steve's scenes. We have a couple in Budapest laying down in bed after perhaps a long day. The woman closest to us is laying in what looks like an incredibly uncomfortable position to be reading a book, reading a book. But I don't know, more power to her. Maybe gravity's different in Budapest. We have a man further away from us looking over his shoulder away from the woman. An interesting thing to be noted. Maybe they hate each other. He's looking over his shoulder to the left watching a very small, very old-looking television with his hands crossed. So some peculiar uh, body positionings here. But this photo feels like a painting. It feels like a work of art that could be studied for eras to come by historians and NASA. Uh, one thing that one thing that I love about Steve's work is that his photos feel saturated, dripping 
with humanity. If there's not a stronger thread that ties his work together than that. In the next one, we have a portrait of a nomad woman in a yak hair tent in the Himalayas. Come on, millennials, when are you going to start working yak hair into your interior design? This photo is rich with context. We have all sorts of knickknacks hanging around. We have a couple of pots on the left-hand side. We have some cloths on the right-hand side hanging up. We have some bigger pots that I assume are used for cooking, but they're so bizarre looking that I don't know exactly what they're for specifically. The woman is giving us such a an authentic and natural expression. You feel like you're looking into her soul. There's nothing that feels contrived about what's coming off of her. It's glorious. It's a very dark scene overall. She also has a couple of little bowls in her hand. This is a, just a, a little pinch of intrigue. And Steve does this quite a bit. I really like this photo. In the next one taken in India, we have two Tibetan monks making their way through a doorway from a dark interior to a bright exterior, given that it is daytime outside. The light from outside is streaming into the room in certain areas. It's coming through a sort of mesh that makes up a window on either side. The photo is perfectly balanced, and it feels like it's built around the two monks once again, with them being in the center. This is a wonderfully composed photo once again. And finally, we have a photo that I decided to throw in at the last minute because I stumbled upon it and it was just so good. We have a man standing with a shovel in a steel mill in Serbia. It's very hard to say steel and mill back to back. I want to say steel meal, which is like like a cereal with, with nails in it or something. Uh, great way to start your week, by the way. We have a very fiery scene. The entire scene is filled with orange light. And a lot of this light seems to be coming from the death pit behind him. And that light is lighting up some giant metal machinery. This looks very otherworldly. Looks very dreamlike. The man has a weathered look on his face, as if he's been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. You get a sense that this is a very hardworking person. Perhaps a man to be respected. Okay, in conclusion, when we look at Steve's photos, we are reminded of something valuable. And that is that we are all a variation of the same theme. That is the theme of humanity. He takes photos of many different cultures, many different people doing many different things. And you may never participate in those activities. You, you may never be in such a bizarre environment to your sensibilities. You may never build machine guns in Pakistan. You may never work at a steel mill in Serbia. But you're able to connect with perhaps a warm, friendly expression. And you're reminded that this person is made of the same stuff that I am. And that's an important story to tell. But I believe that Steve McCurry is, and this is, I titled the video this, and I, I, the reason I did this is because I think it's such a, such a perfect way to put what he is to me as a photographer and what I aspire to be more like in him. He's a magician of serendipities. He comes across 
moments in life that are very hard to, to capture in a photo from an emotional standpoint, but from a compositional standpoint. His ability to get things to align in such a profound and, hmm, I'm trying to think of another word for perfect. <laughs> such a right way <laughs> is amazing. His mastery of the craft is very inspiring to me. Um, if you haven't checked out his work in more detail than this, then watch more of my videos because I guess I've covered him in quite a bit of detail now. But also, just go look at his photos. Go to his website. Look at them big. If there's an exhibition near you, if there's a place where you can see it in print, probably a good idea. But I would love to hear about other photographers that you would like for me to cover, and I would love to hear your thoughts about this video. I hope you have a lovely day. Goodbye.